The following podcast contains spoilers for the book series A Song of Ice and Fire and the television show Game of Thrones. Listener discretion is advised. A cold of gold, a cold of red, a lion still has claws, and mine along and sharp my lord, as long as your best I have notes. I am shocked. Like, I actually have stuff that I was like, okay, we got to cover this. And Oh, wow, you're prepared. I'm I, totally unprepared. <laughs> I watched the episodes, so that's how prepared I am. Yay, that's all the preparation <laughs> you need. That's actually a really good cold open. Uh, hi, guys. This is Jonathan. That's Izzy. Hi. And we are back for more Game of Thrones spoiler cast. It's season five. Uh, it's... It's getting it, it's really getting up there as far as material that's been covered and not covered. So, like, we're getting into territory where book stuff is going to be spoiled by the show. So just be ready for that. Uh, it's it, it's a really odd world that we're living in because uh, by everyone's calculation, even if the Winds of Winter, the next Game of Thrones, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Song of Ice and Fire book comes out. In if it comes out in 2016, so next year, it, it the show's already going to be uh, going to be far past it. Uh, that's actually a pretty good, uh, I think, place to start. Izzy, what do you think about this phenomenon that we're running into, where the show is going to overrun the books? You know, it's kind of weird because there's not a lot of instances where there have been adaptations of things that haven't been complete series or at least, you know, were on track to be complete. Um, and I guess a lot of it is just how long it's taken him to finish this last book, not to, you know, be on the bandwagon of, uh, finish it before you die. But like most people when, you know, like the Harry Potter series, those were fairly regular in the production of it. So it's not like the movies were ever going to overtake the books. So it's kind of weird just from that standpoint, because I honestly can't really think of an example of that happening aside from when you look at things like anime, where a lot of anime will overtake the manga, you know, and that, and typically what they do then is they either just make up something different, like they did with uh, what was Full Metal Alchemist, right. or they just put in a whole bunch of filler, which can be awful sometimes. Right, and I so. think you've seen that in other like really long-running series like Bleach and uh, I think Dragon Ball back in the day. I don't even is there still a Dragon Ball manga? I have actually, I have actually no idea. Well, I don't think it's still ongoing. I think it ended time ago. Right, and, and this again, this situation is also unique because the showrunners know where the story is going to end. They know where they need to go. So I think what we're going to see is some meandering away from what the books are going to cover. And we'll get into some of the differences here in just a second. Uh, but And they did say that. Yeah. I mean, the, they've pretty much confirmed that, yes, there will be book spoilers going ahead from here, but also there would be some deviation. So like when you said he, they have a roadmap, I, they have a generalized roadmap, but they don't have, you know, the actual specific story because it actually hasn't been written yet. So they just know what, 
you know, the big picture is that he plans to happen. Right. They know that they need to get from Philadelphia to St. Louis. And there's a couple of different ways to do that. So everyone's getting to St. Louis, but we're, are we driving? Are we flying? Are we taking a train? I don't know. I don't even know if a train goes from Philly to St. Louis. It's just, I'm just sh- an example. Somehow. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so like I said, interesting times. And we'll be covering more specifics uh, going forward here in this season of the spoiler cast. If you were with us last season, I loved when shit went off the rails because it was just it, it was great for us because there was there was new stuff. It, it was also very strange. And I, I thought maybe season five would kind of continue with that going into episode one, uh, The Wars to Come. But I, I don't know. I think it was a fairly standard episode. Not really a whole lot of deviations there. Uh, I actually I had kind of a middling opinion of the episode. I think just because it was such a faithful adaptation, aside from a couple of little things. But uh, I don't know. What did you think of the first episode? I mean, I, I liked it. I, I, it was a lot of kind of just setting the stage. But as a reintroduction to where we're at in the story, I thought it did a pretty good job to kind of just explain where all the characters are at, what they're doing, kind of like get into a little bit of what's going to be kind of motivating them for this season. So it set a lot of that up. And then, you know, it did end on at least something that was a deviation from the books. And that being now, here's where the spoiler cast really begins, is the death of Mance Raider. I thought he was burned in the books, though. No, they were not. I mean, if he was, it wasn't there. No, what I remember happening was he and... I mean, there was a lot of things kind of in between, but then he and some shield maidens were sent to Winterfell and that whole Jane Poole thing where they thought she was Arya Stark and they were going to free her. And that's how Theon Greyjoy's character was back and ended up escaping because he escaped with her. And then he and the women that he went with, I think they were caught there. That's my, that's my memory of it. You're not wrong. There was something. Yeah. There was something though that happened. It was just kind of implied. Yeah. What happened was, so Mance Raider gets burned at the stake in the books, and, and that does happen. What happens later, and this is the book spoiler part of it, because I don't know if the show is going to go here. I honestly don't. But the Lord of Bones that we met briefly, la- uh, I don't know if it was last season or a couple oh, of seasons yeah, ago. yeah, I remember that. He actually was the one who was burned at the stake. Melisandre had put a glamour on both the Lord of Bones and Matt Mance so that they swapped appearances. So later on, the Lord of Bones, since he's a wildling badass, is training with the Night's Watch because that's that's the agreement they have. They're going to help each other uh, just kind of defend themselves from the coming winter. And later on, Jon Snow goes up to... Melisandre's chambers and I think this may have been I, I it may it was at or around Melisandre's first POV chapter but you find out that the Lord of Bones who Jon Snow has been training with and the Lord of Bones has been rather brutal at training turns out it's Mance Raider. I completely forgot about that. Yeah and so but you're you're not I, I don't know if they're going to do that because as we've seen Lots of stuff has been cut out. Uh, I know and just on the smaller scale, like this flashback at the very beginning of the show, in the books there were three girls. 
And one of them just runs away as soon as they see Maggie, the actually kind of sexy frog. And I mean, she had like the smoky eyes and she was just, I mean, she was weird, but she was definitely wasn't like frog like at all. Not, not in the least. And, uh, and then I, I know last, last week, I think it was, we were talking about, uh, we were trying to talk vaguely about the episode, but Obo was like, Ooh, but in the book, Cersei at the beginning got three questions and and this is actually something I wanted to pick your brain about Izzy so Cersei got her three questions from Maggie the frog and one question was will I marry the prince no you'll marry the king how many children will we have and got into the whole uh, he'll have like ten and six and you'll have three and trout golden trouts and golden crowns and all that Obo was trying to say that that she didn't get her third question, which she didn't in the show. She only got her two. But in the book, I don't think she got three. I think the girl that she was with, uh, Malara Heatherspoon, I think is who it was, actually got the third question. And that was the one where Maggie was like, no, you're not going to marry anyone. You're dying tonight. And they didn't they didn't do that at all in the show. You know, I it's and this is probably just I need I can read the books because I I remember a little bit of that. Like I remember the kind of talking predictions, especially once they recapped it in the show. But I don't remember specifics, so I don't remember if she got a third one or not. Or you know, and that might just be something that comes up again later. It, it might. I mean, it's. Uh, when when I looked into it without actually having read the book because I didn't I didn't have it handy uh, between then and now when it came up, but and, and that's really sad because there's so many ways to get that book now in these in this day and age. But whatever. Anyway, so the reading I did it didn't mention that Cersei actually answered a third question, but that but it they didn't show what happened to Malara at all. So it it very well may come up, but it may be one of those things that just that just uh, that just gets cut and. That's that's the show. Like, there's a lot of things that, you know, they do make the book a little bit richer and deeper, but maybe aren't necessary to tell the full story, which is why, you know, I'm I'm kind of along the lines of thinking just Mance Raider's dead, because even though they could go the route, I had completely forgotten they did that in the book. But even though they could go that route, I just don't really see what they would do with his character, because I can't imagine they're going to go down that Jane Poole path because it's just it's very right now it just seems yeah it's complicated and seems just very unnecessary like it's not like her character's actually going to do much no she's just I, kind of there to be a thing to right and, fit and, that role to help and you know they can work out the Greyjoy's problems some other way he can he is perfectly capable of escaping from winterfell on all on his own if he yeah. needs to There'll be some other way that they can work that in. That'll be perfectly fine. So I don't think they'll need to go down that path. So I don't really see why they would have any need to bring back that character. Uh, they didn't really do much for with them. It's kind of like, you know, the lack of, which I know we had discussed in the past, is Lady Stoneheart. It's like, it would have been cool if she was there. Completely understandable that she's not. Right. And we'll actually... More on Lady Stoneheart here in just a second. Uh, I, I'm wrapping up the discussion on on the wars to come. I, uh, other than than what we just talked about, pretty standard. Not not really a whole lot to go into. I think the only thing that 
that I kind of wanted to comment on was uh, the sexy geography lesson in in Loris Terrell's bed. And I just thought I, I was I was tickled by that scene. And I know a lot of people don't like how Loris is portrayed in, in the show. He's this guy and he's just kind of a fop and he and he has sex with dudes. And that's that's really it. In the book, he was a much richer character. He was this great warrior. And I think at this point he was like I want to say he was assaulting Dragonstone and getting injured, but maybe that may still yet happen. But uh, I, I I liked the I don't think he would have been the, doing it at this point. It's it, well, it's weird because it's hard to say where the books exactly match up now because not only are we getting into the part where the two books were timeline, you know, it was split between characters, so it's kind of hard to measure it up that way anyway. But we're also getting into the point where with the book and the show, the show's hitting some things earlier and some things later when it comes to the books. Yeah, and. Actually, a really good transition point is with the the intros to the the show itself. And we were talking about how geography plays uh, plays a point. It's like you need to you kind of need to know where stuff is. I was actually telling uh, telling you the other night, and we're sharing this just for the audience here. I did a geography lesson for one of my coworkers, like a Game of Thrones geography lesson, using a water bottle and my phone for uh, Westeros and Essos. And kind of pointing out, okay, this is here, this is here. And I think going forward, the introductions and the where everything is 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 going to make a little more sense to her. I was bummed that the flayed man was being uh, displayed at Winterfell. I, I I mean, I liked it, but yeah, not, I liked not it that too, I like yeah, not that I like that that's the case. Just that I like that they added that little touch into you know, it's no longer burning when a Winterfell on the. Um, on the screen now it's regular Winterfell but with the flayed man displayed. I, I just like that they have those little touches in the beginnings every now and then. Yeah, and I that that kind of brings us to my personal favorite like city introduction in the entire show, Bravos. And I love the intro of Bravos with the little with the little coin shoe yeah. and then the, the, the aqueduct. Yeah, and then the Titan comes up and he's like, uh and I actually I, I I don't know what I was doing when when this scene was on because I don't quite remember it, but it was uh, – and this episode is the House of Black and White, and it starts off with the Aria. I almost called her Aria. That's so weird. <laughs> Actually making it to Bravos, and Bravos is by far my favorite location in, uh, in the show so far because it's just – they did a really good job. Of immersing you in that. I mean, it's it's kind of Venice, but it's different, and it's just so cool looking. And it, like I said, one of my favorite places ever. So that that entire first scene where Arya is arriving was just so awesome. Yeah, like it's it's clearly Venice plus other sort of Italian type feel to it. But then you know the Colossus of Rhodes essentially straddling the what would you call that the Strait going in to the bay. I mean that was. It, it is pretty cool the way that they it's it's essentially what they did was pretty much exactly how I imagined it, which yeah. is very hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to actually capture what other people think it should be. Honestly, I thought the and, and this is a little nitpicky, but I thought the house of black and white was a little bit closer to the rest of the canals. But if you have a church dedicated to a guild of assassins, 
they're probably kind of weird. So having them over there, just 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 go over there. Get across there. It it takes a while. Just stay over there. That that kind of makes sense. If you're if you're just a regular Bravosi, you you probably don't want to deal with those guys. We actually yeah. we saw what regular Bravosi think of those guys. Yeah. They're just they like yeah. <laughs> but uh, now I have my yeah. Go ahead. And this is where my memory of the books gets hazy. It's just been a while. I don't recall her running into Jack and Hagar again when he, she went there. He did. She didn't. Um, okay. So the, uh, my notes actually say "off the rails" in in capital letters here. And, and that's a point we can touch on real quick. I, I have it a little bit later, but what the hell? We'll just go over it now. So in the books, and I'm not sure that this person who has the face of the guy we knew as Jakan Hakar is that same guy that Arya knew. It's not made clear. In the books, uh, the guy we know as Jakan Hakar, Jakan Hakar, I, it's it's I'm saying it so much that it's, it's losing all meaning. So like he changes his face in at uh, Hall and it's like a dude with like a crooked nose, and they make a very very big point of that. So later on in A Feast for Crows, when Samwell turns up at Old Town and is getting ready to enter the Citadel for his maester training, he runs into a guy who had been kind of hanging around and, and you I think you saw him in like the the prologue chapter and stuff and he's got a crooked nose so a lot of people think that that person in Old Town is Jacques Nakar and if you know anything about about the geography like Old Town is in I want to say the south west corner of Westeros whereas the easiest way to Bravos from Westeros is the northeast so they are on opposite sides of the con continent, Bravos and oh well, Bravos isn't on the continent, but it, it's essentially a Westeros away, and it's so that's that's the books. But cl clearly, the show is opting for a different tact, and it given what the show has done before, it kind of makes sense. Here's instead of introducing like some weird guy and some waif, and I think there was a third one to kind of do Arya's uh, uh, faceless fan training. It makes sense that they would use a face that they've already seen in, in Jock and Akar. Even if it's not the same guy, it's someone that we're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, he could, he could essentially just be the same character regardless of whether it literally is the same guy. I think, and, and that is a good point, what they do a lot so far in the show is just whittle down characters. If they can have one character play multiple roles, then just go ahead and do it rather than introduce new characters. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people... I don't think there are too many characters, but a lot of people complain that there are too many characters already in Game of Thrones. So imagine if they actually had every single character that's actually been in the books. Well, you know? and, yeah, and actually in a different capacity in this same episode, they've employed that same trick where the small council meeting that Cersei has, there's no, I, I think his name is oh the Arryn Waters? Yeah, I don't remember Aaron? his first name, but the, yeah, the the bastard kid. Yeah, and he is the the guy who's going to be the master of ships. Well, really, all he does is you he's one of the sycophants on the small council that Cersei just puts there. And he's like, oh, well, we're going to build all these ships. And, and Cersei's like, great, new fleet. That's, that's awesome. But 
she doesn't really do any background checks. Like, there's no vetting there. It's just some dude who, like, agrees with her and has, like, captain experience. <laughs> yeah. And in the books, when later on, when things go bad, he leaves with all the ships. And yeah. so I, I, he's like, <laughs> guess what? I'm like, I've got my own fleet now. Bye. <laughs> later, bitches. And so I, I think they could probably they'll probably roll that into something else, too. And they may not even go there. I mean, it's just another example of yeah, the failure that Cersei's going to have. I don't even think they'll need to go there with necessarily. I mean, I'm sure they could figure out because. Uh, what's his face Tyrell has already been kind of portrayed as like a bit of a bumbling idiot sort of character so I'm sure they can find a way for him to screw up being both master of coin and master of ships in a way that it still fits with the storyline of them just not having a fleet anymore right and I I know I don't know if I mentioned this last season but their portrayal of Mace Tyrell is very different than the one I had in my head I mean, I think when the the Queen of Thorns was describing it, her son and like, oh, like he spent more time at the buffet table than at the front lines. I think that may have been in the book, but I never got the impression that he was like, as you said, he's described in the show as this like kind of, kind of bubbling idiot. And in fact, when things go bad and Cersei is imprisoned and Keevan kind of comes back and takes over, Mace is the hand. And they're like, I actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, Keevan, I don't think was happy about that. I think it was done as a concession to kind of keep the alliance. And if I guess if they make Mace kind of come off as a bumbling idiot, his being made hand just to placate a, a massive army that is kind of keeping keeping the peace, as it were would kind of be another, well, you've really fucked up, Cersei. Here's what I'm having to do to fix it. We're putting this guy as the hand of the king, and it's your fault. Yeah. And, I mean, my impression from the books was still that he was a bit of, maybe not a bumbling idiot, but still just an idiot. Like a... Like an oaf? Thinks, yeah, a bit of an oaf, a bit of a... kind of thinks he knows it all, but actually is fairly clueless and kind of dumb you know like he seems more like a lovable idiot in the show i didn't get the impression of him being necessarily a lovable idiot in the book but still an idiot yeah and it's the like i said i think we're gonna we're gonna see the downfall obviously and i thought that was a really cool shot in the first episode where cersei gets out of her out of her uh litter and then kind of looks up the steps to the sept. I think we're going to see that shot again during her walk of shame, but we'll, we'll get to that when, when it happens in the show. Cause that, I think a lot of people who have read the books are waiting for that moment and that whole scene. And yeah. it's it, it, Cersei's comeuppance. And it's actually been really interesting to hear the people at work who only watch the show talk about, about Cersei and, and how much they hate her. And it, it's, it's justified. The show has done a really good job and Lena Henley has done a really, really good job. But I, I think one of the one of the nice things about having read the books is that you really got into her head. And I, that was by far my favorite part of Feast of Crows. And it was really the only good part of a Feast of Crows, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I mean, they're trying to 
humanize her a little bit in the show by, you know, just kind of really focusing on repeating again and again about, you know, essentially making her like, you know, the protective mother lion who loves her children and blah, blah, blah. And so they keep kind of reinforcing that just to make it make it more understandable that what she's doing is for a mixture of reasons. And I think they've portrayed it well enough in the show. It's both to protect her children and a little bit of that kind of bitterness at being denied stuff because she's a woman. Right. Because um, that's, that's come up as well. So I think that they've done a decent job of it in the show, but, you know, it's hard to, it's easy for me to say that looking at it from the standpoint of someone who's read the books and has that basis to go off of. If I, if it was just the show, then maybe I would just say, yes, yeah, screw her. She's awful all around, but she is awful all around. And that's what yeah. makes her come up and so great. But it also, you at least understand where she's coming from a little bit more. Yeah. And kind of staying on Cersei a bit, when in the first episode, they're at the wake for, uh, for Tywin and there, everyone's kind of milling about. And she runs into Lancel. I could have sworn they recast Lancel. Like, he looked nothing like he did in the first season. Like, as soon as they, they showed him and Keevan introduces, oh, you remember my son? And she's like, oh, I barely recognized you. I thought that was a bit of cleverness where they were just like, oh, hey, we recast this guy. And nobody remembered because that was like four years ago. But I looked it up. It's the same dude. I was shocked. I was like, what? He doesn't look anything like he did before. I mean, he doesn't have the 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 foppy hair and and he looks like he's filled out a bit more. And, and it's kind of interesting because that's the opposite of what happened in the books. I think he had kind of like wasted away because of his injury and because of because of misery. I, I don't know. I thought it was a I thought that was a a a neat touch that they actually brought back this actor. And again, kind of foreshadowed what was going to be happening since he is, as in the books, now a now a sparrow. Yeah, he he was definitely. I mean, I I was kind of with you. It it had just been a while since I'd seen an episode with him in it. So then I was like, just no idea, like no recognition. I think the hair really was the big part. But you know, you were talking about him wasting away that sort of thing. There is absolutely no way they could have made that actor any thinner. Oh God, I. <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it, he did have a bit of a nude scene. And yeah, and he was like a stick. I mean, oh, he that's was a right. scarecrow. Yeah. If he, I, I think that they went an okay direction with actually having it go the other way, where he looks different, but it's because he looks more, he doesn't look as kind of like, it's, it's like the thing where he was like that because he had to be kind of like that perfect figure for, you know, as the Lannister and that sort of thing. And now that he's not, he can just look however. And so now he's kind of a bit bigger, but really more, sh you know, kind of sloppy looking and yeah. shaved head sort of deal. But yeah, no, there's absolutely no way that actor could have been thinner. It's it's kind of like, you know, Alfie Allen losing all that weight. It's like, how is that even just physically possible? <laughs> I mean, he, he wasn't working with a whole lot to begin with. and. Yeah. I, I always just think of the, the Lily Allen song, Alfie, where he's just he's up in his room smoking pot and and Lily's trying to get him to go do stuff and he just refuses. And uh, it, it's it's a funny video, too. Apparently, he was not happy with the puppet that they used to represent him. <laughs> it, it That was that was 
that was the thing that happened several years ago. But anyway, so I guess we got to talk about Dorn. Yes. So we've seen Dorn now. Finally. Okay. Actually, and, I have a so, question for you. Wait, before we get into that, okay, can, so, we, can we briefly touch on characters where our impressions of them were totally different in our heads from, like you were talking about, Mace Tyrell was different in your head from what they ended up portraying? Sure. Uh, Prince Doran Martell? Totally not at all. Anything uh, like what I had in my head. In okay, what, what were you... Way. So you weren't imagining Dr. Julian Bashir, and I was actually just watching Dean <laughs> Space Nine a second ago, so that that was weird, seeing him like essentially like 20 years later or whatever. So what were you thinking? I mean, like, essentially Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. This I mean, guy I, who kind of used to be handsome, more... but now was... Was super fat, and that's why he had gout, right? Yeah, I was expecting him to be a bit heavier. Not that I mean, thin people can get gout. Thinner people can get gout. But I just I wouldn't. I usually associate it with heavier people, so I was definitely not expecting him to be thin. First of all, and I expected him to just look a bit more plain faced. You know, I don't know. I, I really was like, not that they could cast Marlon Brando for the role, but like a slightly younger Marlon Brando. That's that's kind of what I was. I'm trying that. to think of an actor that would fit the bill, like a, a more heavy set, maybe a Mediterranean guy and who's not like, I, I don't know. Gosh, I just pulled it. Get that Jack there. He likes to go. Oh, man. Gosh. Oh, I don't know. Uh, that, that's just, that's a take <laughs> of this that I, I, I will bring up in the show. But anyway, so my impression of of a Prince Doran was actually a little bit different. It was based on some art for... I'm trying to remember if it was for the Game of Thrones board game or one of the card games. But in that one, he was a... He was silver-haired, and body-wise, he wasn't that big. So I, uh, when I started reading that part of the book, I never really imagined him as bigger. But one of my friends who had read the books before the games came out and who, who hadn't really seen any of that was with you because like you said gout is usually for heavier set people who who live very sedentary lifestyles like medieval lords so he was he was of the same impression that he thought prince doran was going to be a lot heavier and when i told him who was going to be playing prince doran he was he was surprised but so that's that's actually a really good way to to kick down the door and start talking about uh dorn the Dorn door. So I'm excited for Dorn. So this is just an aside, but um, yeah. When I was in Portugal, we went. Oh, to I was going to ask you this. I was going to ask you this. Yes, yes. Uh, it's a palace in Sintra called. Um, oh gosh, what what is it? Let's see, Palace Sintra. I'm I'm going to have to Google this because I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Oh, palace, palace of Pina. Pina. That's what it was. This place, it, I've got a couple pictures of it too. When we were first walking into the place, my mom's also a Game of Thrones fan, and we we're kind of walking through there, and I was like, you know, I could imagine this being a palace in Dorne. It, it was actually, it was perched up on a mountaintop, so like maybe if you kind of moved it, you know, to a cliff overlooking the ocean or something like that. But it was like brightly colored and, you know, painted in yellows and 
you know, kind of reds and blues and that sort of thing. And it just, for some reason, because it had a little bit of the, you know, it was like gothic, but not really, I, I don't even know what you'd call it, but it, well, it, it was just such a mixture of things that really made me think of Dorne for some reason. Well, yeah, and a lot of that stuff, like like you were saying, is a mixture of stuff because it's it's Muslim-influenced, it's Christian-influenced. You had the Moors, you had the Saxons. It was like Spain and Portugal was just kind of this weird melting pot. And 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 so you, you see a lot of a lot of that stuff in the architecture. You see stuff that you might see in like Damascus or 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 Mecca and stuff like that. Yeah, like but basically any Moorish influence stuff you I would imagine I, I would kinda associate that in my mind with Dorn. And and I know that when I was when I was watching this episode, your trip to to Portugal and Spain came to mind because that like you were saying, that looked like a bunch of the pictures you were taking. And I, I was tickled. I, I was I that was something that was straight from my imagination. The way they realized it was just absolutely great. And I, I think overall, this second episode, for this reason and for a lot of the other reasons that we talked about, has been one of my favorites, not only of this season, but so far. I thought I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it really kicked off, and it definitely started on the I, I guess this is where the off the rails thing like it, it's really started down that path too where we're going to start seeing some stuff really split off and just head different directions and like for some reason the what's her name the Lannister girl um oh she's Marcella. like Marcella's like really old now for some reason <laughs> yeah uh, they recast her and uh, like they, it was <laughs> yeah, exactly was what like they did with Tommen older, too. as a way older child and and same yeah Tommen which understandably they probably did need to go older especially you know marrying him off to uh Marjorie a little bit you know it's the same reason why Daenerys isn't 14 yeah exactly. there's just some sensibilities that they kind of have to consider but it was still like wow, I remember the little girl that they shipped off to Dorne who was like, you know, adorable, young, looked about like maybe 12 years old and now she looks like 16 wandering around the water gardens. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually, the actress who played Marcella originally, she she is a bit older now. I only know what she looks like because there was a tweet right around the Purple Wedding and actually it was a vine. So it showed Joffrey choking, and then it showed the actress taking a crown and putting it on her head and going, I'm ready. And this was obviously before she found out that she was recast. So I, I kind of feel bad for her because here she was, like, she made this hilarious vine, and she's not in the show anymore. And I don't even remember her name. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up next time, just, just for... I don't know, just for karma. But I actually, so kind of in the realm of of reusing things that we already know, do you think Elaria Sand, uh, Oberyn's old paramour, who we see in this episode kind of give Prince Doran some shit, do you think she's going to do the Arian storyline of trying to put uh, Marcella on the Iron Throne? Do you think she's going to be the agent of that whole series of events? I mean, honestly, like, are they even going to go through that series of events? I don't know, but I think she is essentially going to take the place of 
what's her Ariana 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 Ariane Ariane. Um, I think she's going to kind of take her place because they're definitely, you know, going to use the sand snakes. Um, they've already alluded to or she mentioned them. And I think I remember seeing something about one person cast in one of those roles. I don't remember. But I think they're definitely going to use them just because I think that they're going to be, you know, popular characters anyway. Everybody likes a sassy, badass girl. But, yeah, I don't think that they're going to bother introducing, like, another character they can just reuse her but i don't even know if they're going to go through the whole like trying to put marcella on the throne because it didn't really go anywhere in the end aside from getting marcella injured which they can do another way right and from well i was going to say some of the scuttlebutt that i've heard but since that shows scuttlebutt and not necessarily from the books like we will we won't bother with it but um from what I understand, they they are also using a different character for those purposes. But again, we'll we'll go over that within ha- when it happens. Uh, I'm trying trying to think of anything else to go over Dorn other than seeing fucking Julian Bashir as as the head of Dorn. That that tickled me because I love that actor. He's he's just so cool. Anyway, yeah, yeah, and I think I can get past him not meeting what I imagined him to be. If the actor is able to just really bring the character to life, because that that happens a lot. Like, yes, it's not exactly what you wanted, but if you like the actor, then whatever, it'll work. So kind of staying on the same topic of things that are very different. What do you think of the stuff that they're doing with the Marine storyline in Daenerys? Um, it's not necessarily I guess I, I don't really remember a, a lot of the very fine details of what happened in Marine. I remember, you know, the Sons of the Harpies and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually the thing with the fighting pits, which they've kind of alluded to something similar happening in the future when they reintroduce the dragon. But I don't know if it's gone really far off the rails from what I remember. Um I think they just seem to be accelerating some things. Uh, and maybe. She, but she faffed about in Marine for a long time. I guess that's true. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I've just not been interested in this stuff with, like, this slave who just kind of showed up who's now, like, one of her advisors. And, and then she has him executed because he killed the son of the harpy, which I guess, I mean, that's that's what you got to do. But... I don't know. It's just it really hasn't been interesting to me. And and Daenerys is one of my favorite characters from the books. So I'm I'm kind of disappointed that I that even that though I think trying to because yeah. what happened in Marine happened over just such a long time in the book that it was really boring in the end. Like I, I was yeah. bored by the time it was done, and I was happy that it was over when it finally ended because it was just too much. So I think what they're trying to do is condense a lot of what Daenerys learned and experienced over that huge amount into something much smaller, essentially that episode and maybe like one other episode where they'll just smush it all down. So I don't know exactly... I, I get what they were trying to do is essentially like establish her you know, her position as a ruler, what sort of ruler she would be, you know, that whole thing about the law is the law. 
Right. And I like that because it's it's very much, I mean, the whole, it's almost like looking back at, you know, the British monarchy, the history of that with, you know, the rule of law versus, you know, a divine mandate sort of deal. So she, I think that they're just trying to get a way to portray that very quickly so that they can establish who she will be as a ruler, what sort of ruler she would be, and then just get on with it. Because there's no way they can stay in Marine as long as she did in the book, because that was so boring. I mean, she was fighting the son of the harpies for forever. Yeah. I will say that a crowd of people hissing at me has got to be very disconcerting. Oh, it would be. And and also (laughs) people who, you know, had just been calling her Misa and then all of a sudden are hissing at her like snakes. That would be kind of terrifying. Uh, I actually have a note for that. A crowd of hissing people of hissing people sounds like the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think literally, literally the worst. (laughs) Uh, well, that kind of brings us to so what are you, okay, so we were talking about earlier a lot of people are saying that there's going to be no Lady Stoneheart and I think the actress herself said no, I'm not going to be Lady Stoneheart. And yeah, it's pretty much been confirmed there's some So what is going to happen speaking of meandering and boring storylines? What is going to happen to Brienne and Pod? I don't know. I mean, now they're going to just be following Sansa around. I feel like now that they've established that she is following Sansa, they're not really going to need to focus on her actually doing it. And so they can have her because for all we know, she comes back and plays an important, which I assume she would, she'll come back and play an important part in the books somehow in the storyline. So they don't want to just get rid of her. So how about just establish that she's there, she's doing her thing, so that way when it's time to reintroduce her, they'll have a reason for her being wherever she's at. Right, and they put Jamie really far away from her by sending him to Dorne with, uh, with, with Bronn. So uh, whatever they were doing in the books looks like it's not going to happen in the show. And if, if in lieu of the wandering Brienne storyline, we get every once in a while you see like the tops of Brienne and Pod's heads like pop up <laughs> around and then and then dive back down. If that's all we get, that's way more entertaining than the books. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the the gophers on on the reach. It's like, do you feel like we're being followed? Nah, we're all right. <laughs> They're like wearing tree hats and stuff. Oh, now yeah. now one thing. So see- uh, so Jamie and Braun, huh? Yeah, I, that's that's going to be a thing. What I have no idea where they're going with that storyline. I mean, I guess it's going to kind of play into the whole like trying to steal Marcella away, but failing, except for it's going from a different viewpoint or who knows? I mean, God, I don't even know where they're going with this. Uh, I, so right right before that in my notes, I have more off the rails in <laughs> more caps, all caps and, and bold, I think. I'm not even sure how I did that. But anyway, so I think one of the big things that this whole change is going to serve is it's going to get Jamie away from Cersei. And in a way, it kind of makes more sense because for Jamie, it's a little bit more urgent than in the books when he's just when he's kind of off, just kind of waging wars and and making River Run surrender. He's just kind of off and about, and he doesn't come back to help Cersei because 
he's mad at her and he's like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back. I don't care that she's sending me letters or whatever. And I think with this change, he's going to be stuck in Dorn and can't help her. He may not even know. And, and I don't know. We'll have, we'll have to see where that goes. This is, this is new territory for us. So I, I'm actually kind of excited to see where it's going to go. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I'm kind of wondering, I'm, I'm assuming this is one of those, what they're calling like a deviation from the books in that nothing anywhere in the future in the books is ever going to happen anywhere related to what's happening with right. their storyline. Yeah. I, I completely agree because it's like, it, it would like where Jamie is now in the books, it wouldn't make sense for him just to go run off to Dorne for some reason. Yeah. Even for Marcella. Like, see you later. Go to Dorne. <laughs> go to <BRB>. Dorne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I, I'm very curious to see where that ends up because this is one of those things that even beyond just us not knowing what's going to happen in the next book, this goes beyond that in that we, there's no hints in what's happened in the books to, give any idea about what's going to go on so this will be fun well i had a note to talk about uh sam in old town and uh, make a comment for how many geeky citadels we have at this point uh, we have well, obviously the best citadel is the mass effect citadel. mass effect citadel yes yes and then we have the citadel in old town we have the citadel on venus in destiny i'm sure there's other citadels somewhere else lots of oh, citadels yeah. so I, I don't know i was going to make a comment it's a popular about that. word it, it, well, it's cool. It's not just it hey. Sounds... <laughs> there's there's the the pile of rocks over there for yeah. the for the maesters, the tower. <laughs> uh, I think one the thing that I wanted to end on was kind of what the what the show ended on, and that's what was going on in the wall, which for this episode was actually pretty tame as far as matching up with the books. I will say that uh, Shireen Baratheon is one of my favorite characters. That that little girl is so adorbs. Yeah. They, they I think I mean they cast her well too. There's there's a lot to be said for how you know especially a young actress can kind of bring a character alive like that. Like you know, so far as young actors and actresses have gone on that show, they've been kind of 50-50. They've been half and half with having some be really good and like as much as I love Arya's character and I do like her actress, there are some times where it's just a little over the top sometimes with her attitude you know it's it's a little more than is necessary but i think shireen's character's kind of like been just that perfect level of a little bit of you know headstrongness but a little you know very innocent and very strong but still you know a you know sweet little child right and it'll be interesting to see if they're using that scene to transition into where Tyrion runs into the stone men and then John Connington turns out to be alive and then he gets the grayscale. That would be a good, what we got right there with the discussion of Shireen's grayscale would be a good reminder or a good actually introduction to that whole thing. If that storyline is pursued at this point, we don't know what's going to be pursued or not. So it's tough. It's tough to say. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly just based off of what I think is going to happen in the future of the story anyway, is that they do have to introduce, um, God, what's his face? The Targaryen guy. Young Griff. Yeah. Young Griff. They, they have to introduce him. 
whether they do it through that whole meandering storyline with uh, Tyrion, I, I don't think, I don't really know if they're going to go that way because that was a lot of stuff happening. And right now it's just him and Varys chilling out in a, you know, carriage. So I think they're going to just maybe try and get to the point a little bit faster with that. And, you know, do they even need to introduce John Connington? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> they've, never, they've never mentioned him in the show and or before in the show. And I think you, he was mentioned in the books a bunch. So it would just be a guy that they kind of brought out of nowhere. And, and I guess it's, it's not that there aren't going to be new characters. I mean, there have to be. But I, I think, a, as we've said, I, I think the show is going to minimize the the information overload because, like I said, my my coworkers at at work who haven't read the books, they love the series, but they're confused as fuck. Yeah, it's it's hard to for people to keep up with if they, and even reading the books, it can be hard to keep up with. But it's it still gives you a better grasp of who's who when you're actually reading it and processing that information. When you're just watching a show, it's like, you know people called Daenerys, so the dragon lady, and then, you know, there's the little girl with the sword, and there's, you know, the dwarf, and that's sort of, that's the way people kind of organize the characters. The you know, bitchy queen. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was actually, so if you, were on, if you were on the internet last week, you probably saw Sharpmander, which we, we can't go into history right now because we're, we're at, almost out of time. But someone did another Photoshop with Sharpmander. It was with Daenerys. She was the mother of Sharpmander. <laughs> I am not surprised that that happened. Well, uh, Izzy, any final thoughts for the, these first two episodes of season five? I was a pretty big fan so far i mean i i was just excited honestly it's probably just more of my excitement i was excited to get back into the series and to see it happen again um to see where they're going to start going with things so maybe that's kind of why i've just been so happy and excited about the first two episodes because not a ton has happened so far but i do think they're setting it up for some interesting things to happen over the season real quick just just to kind of illustrate Izzy's point of her being excited. So the the night episode one comes out, uh, uh, she had been out. She she'd had a little bit to drink, <laughs> and she was having some problems with swipe on her phone. So between the the end of her buzz there and the swipe, I, I, my phone was blowing up with some of the most random texts about like, oh my god, I can't believe, can't wait for this. Oh my god, oh drunk, fuck you. So because I I think I made a comment about it, but uh, your your excitement was was noted and. Honestly, I, I'm pretty excited for the rest of the season. I can't wait to see where this is going. Uh, but thank you for for hanging out and talking, and we will talk to you again real soon. All right, that was fun. And uh, so what we're going to do is we are going to be doing five of these, uh, one for every two episodes. So next week you won't get one of these, but the week after, after we've kind of all come down from our Age of Ultron high, then... We will still have time to talk about Game of Thrones. So in two weeks, be sure to join us. Uh, you can you can follow us at Glib Shark. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes and stuff. You can follow her at uh, Izzy Nathaniel, me at Road underscore Block, and we will talk to you later. Thanks for hanging out. Bye.